0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
1: That's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to
1: make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talking Nick's. It's been a minute. A lot going on in the world. Have not seen the Knicks play basketball in a very long time, but we're gonna come back and talk about it. I'm here with my good friend Tom Piccolo. Tom, how you doing? Wait, 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 one second. Let's talk Knicks. See, I'm rusty. <laughs> Let's talk Knicks. Tom, how you doing?
1: Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> Greg, I, I'm doing all right. All things considered, no, no complaints here. I am, I'm quarantined. I'm doing the whole self-isolating thing um but you know still still getting out into nature that's kind of nice that the state parks here in connecticut are still open so ro- my wife and i went for a nice hike over the weekend and we're, we're still getting outside which is good because if you stay cooped up for too long i go crazy um but you know no complaints that still working so my jobs so very fortunate and um i don't know i haven't really had to watch the knicks so that's nice too
0: that's good are there other people at the state parks
1: definitely yeah they are that's definitely a concern but like the it's the outdoors like you don't have to be within six feet of people if you don't want to right like the trails are pretty wide you don't it it wasn't really a a concern of ours but they are definitely crowded
0: yeah i've been i i've just been at my house i don't i don't leave i uh i like walked outside i think i picked up a pizza the other day on saturday I watched Comedy Central from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. I think.
1: Was uh, it just m- movies or, or stand-up specials, or was what was it?
0: Six hours of The Office, um, followed by The Wedding Singer. It's Adam Sandler weekend, so The Wedding Singer, and then Mr. Deeds was on. It was the, all of The Office was, was the season without Michael Scott too.
1: Past. For me, though, I kind of stopped watching after Michael Scott left, and I was I I was an avid watcher too of those early seasons. Like I loved the show, but when he left, I I just couldn't I couldn't get into it. I did watch like Will Ferrell get be the guest uh, manager, and then I I I tried to watch some like Robert California episodes, and I just couldn't get down with that.
0: Yeah, I don't know who Robert California is because I'm not the biggest Office guy. I'm like I, I like The Office, I just haven't watched it all the way through. I just like when it's on TV, I watch it. I don't, I, no, I don't have. I didn't follow the whole entire plot line through, so half the time I don't even know what's happening. But it's one of those shows you don't need to know what's happening; you just laugh. Hopefully, that's what it is because that's how I treat it.
1: It's mostly that, yeah. I'd say there there are other shows that are more like that, obviously, like the non serialized shows, like Seinfeld and um, like Thirty Rock. I think you can just pick up any episode, and it's going to be very funny. Like I, I just picked up, a, I just watched a random one the other day. And it was just – the show still holds up. It's just so funny.
0: Best show out there. I know. Uh, that that's, that's
1: that's your favorite, right? Your favorite comedy show?
0: Best comedy show. The Wire, top show, 30 Rock, number two, best comedy. All right, I think that does it for the how are you's. Let's get back into it. I'm a little rusty. I'm sure you're a little rusty. We don't remember who's on the team. We don't remember anything. So let's start with a, with a question not focused on the Knicks. So the NBA got canceled on – on whatever day it was. It's been over a month now. Um, after Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus, um, both teams, Jazz and Oklahoma City, were, did the player introdu- introductions, were about to start playing. Team doctor runs out, says uh, Rudy Gobert just tested positive. They stop for a little bit, and then they just decide to cancel the game. NBA plays out few games for the rest of the night that had already started and after that it's been canceled ever since and so. that is like
1: really dramatic timing right like the the ball's about to go up in the air for the tip off and the doctor i don't know like that that just seems so so dramatic I, i'm sure there's gonna have to be a documentary about that specifically coming out yeah, here at some point
0: that's gonna be in the movie for sure the coronavirus movie because you know that you know it's coming sorry to be Sorry to say it, but no, they will all know
1: it. no that definitely yeah. is gonna be a thing. A hundred percent people are working on that. There's nothing else to do, but like I'm sure so many screenwriters are just pumping out <laughs> pa- pages right now. It's like Tyler passing the time.
0: Yeah, so that happens. All games canceled ever since. Fortunately for the Knicks they had already started playing and they were able to win their game against the Hawks, which cost them two draft positions in the lottery. But we'll get to that later. Tom, do you think that the NBA will resume this season? That's the question I will lead with.
1: Um, so, I, th- that's yeah, that's a tricky first question to ease myself back into this whole thing. <laughs> but so I guess th- the alternative would be that the season is just like kind of forfeited, just annulled altogether, and they just start fresh. Next season, I guess that's kind of what you're thinking as as the alternative to this.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's like uh, like how college basketball just called it. They canceled the Big Dance, canceled the conference tournaments,
1: and and then
0: we'll start again next year.
1: I don't. So I I don't think that uh, teams will be playing in front of crowds for this season. I do think that come, like, the summertime, teams will start playing, like – I think they will be playing, in like, in front of empty gyms, and it will be televised for, for fans to watch. I don't think there will be any more regular season. I think that, like, the playoff standings will stay as they are, which is unfortunate for teams that were making pushes. But that's just – I think that's going to be the reality, that they're going to go straight – into the playoffs, I know some players have said that they're going to need some time to get back into game shape. Those first few, ra- like the first round of playoffs, is probably going to be so ugly. But I mean, honestly, if if they're going to bring back basketball, I think that's going to be how, how it's going to have to work. Is is no more regular season, straight into playoffs, not in front of crowds. And they are, I, I do think that they will crown a 2019-2020 NBA champion, and then I think they will sort of start next season a little later to give players their their summer break and probably do like maybe even an abbreviated 2020 2021 season do you think what what do you think about that
0: yeah i think maybe i've i i've been thinking that uh that is just done with it's not it doesn't make sense to to go on has been my thought but a lot of factors go into it one thing I was thinking is like like you just mentioned the abbreviated 2021 season. Like if you just cont- if this keeps getting pushed out further and further, then they could just push that out further and further cuz I don't I don't know at what point, you know, if you're trading the NBA championship series, the NBA finals for a few preseason games or a few uh the first you you would trade a month of playoffs for a month of the first regular season.
1: Oh yeah. As far as like the, the TV rights and everything. And like I said, I mean, for those regular season games, you likely would be able I mean, hopefully you would be able to get fans to go, but even maybe that's optimistic. I have no idea what consumers appetites are going to be for like actually going to large public gatherings, even come like November, you know, who who knows what the, the psyche is going to be. But, but as far as broadcasting, yeah, the numbers on playoff games. W- I mean, people are so they're starving for for sports, for NBA, for basketball in general. Like those ratings would, would I have to imagine be through the roof, even if they're being played in front of zero fans. Yeah. So
0: I think today they also said the NBA sources said that the teams would were talking about a twenty five day plan where there'd be like a twenty five day training camp or or whatever because teams would need about a month to just get back into game shape right now so that even we we have no idea when people are even going to be allowed to do stuff like that and then you just add on a month well it's it's
1: true like if you didn't if you didn't do that you get like like
0: what happened to Kevin Durant in the NBA finals a lot of injuries a lot of injuries for sure
1: you're like all right
0: torn Achilles I think I'm I think I'm good to go torn Achilles out for a year. And I'm
1: I'm sure that factors
0: into the players thinking too, just looking at a guy like Kevin Durant in that specific case, thinking, you know, I, I don't, I don't want that.
1: I just think that, like, there's been so much, like, so much of the season has already been played for them to just forfeit it. I think it would just be such a shame and that shortening next season really would be the way to go. And even if that means starting it, I mean, there are some NBA fans who advocate for not even starting the NBA season until after cri- like Christmas Day should be opening season or the opening day um, because a lot of people don't think that like, it's an, in an 82-game schedule. Like, th- the first 15 games or so, like, obviously they count the same, but I don't think there's as much interest. It's still football season at that time, college and NFL. Um, and so if they just start next season later – uh, I, I think that would be optimal in, in my eyes.
0: Yeah, that makes sense in a perfect world. But also, like you, like we said, we have no idea what's what's going on in the world. So there's a possibility that next season could just be started later, be forced to start later anyway. And this season could just never even resume, you know? No, very true. Because we have, we have no idea how long this is going to go on for. And I know a lot of they said a lot of the concern is rapid testing being available for like all the people that would be involved in the game. And I know executives and have said like, obviously where we wouldn't be the first people in line to get those rapid tests. Cause I know, you know, they have 15 minute tests, but we're going to use our 15 minute tests on NBA players is the general thought. Uh, don't know if that's,
1: uh, that's not a good look that's a tough look yeah yeah Yeah, that's a pr nightmare i'll tell you that right right now
0: yeah i don't know who said it but they said we're gonna come back when it's socially acceptable to come back (laughs) was was and that's smart
1: yeah that's that's a publicist talking i I think
0: yeah and like with with how they canceled the game with with rudy gobert um testing positive if like one player tests positive then is that it again, you know i, I not have no idea true like imagine if LeBron just tested positive at some point during playoffs, everyone would be like that's what was the point of having the playoffs
1: yeah I uh, don't you know. you probably have to follow protocol and shut it all down again like I, that yeah, that's a worst case sort of scenario and and do you remember that that night that it happened? Um, that they canceled that game. They hadn't cancelled the NBA season yet. And they almost played that, that Pelicans game. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. That was like <laughs> 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 Oh my god. Yeah.
0: Man. Yeah. They're they're thinking about it. And that that game would have had playoff implications too. But nobody knew the scope of what was happening and still don't. We still don't. Yeah. It's so
1: What a crazy month it's been. <laughs> but uh has it uh, been a month? Yeah, probably gracious.
0: a little more. Yeah, so I think I say – I mean, it's so hard to, to make this prediction. I'm sorry I let off with this question, but I just didn't want to talk about the next. But I think the answer is no. That the, This season won't resume, but I I don't know. I know there's been reports that people are pessimistic, but that was also a couple weeks ago. Um New York City thinks it's hit its peak, hopefully at least, Um, but the rest of the country is lagging behind. That also plays a big part into it is that the United States is so big that we're not all in the same timeline for this whole entire thing. So, no idea.
1: Yeah, I think I was probably being optimistic. Um, You know, I'm kind of saying what I hope is going to happen, but – that's also based on like everything going back to normal and and this thing being controlled in a timely manner, whatever that means. But who knows, man? If I were if I had to put money on it, I, I'd probably I might go your way. And yeah, yeah.
0: Fortunately, we don't. But I neither of us have any idea. Hopefully, it comes back. Hopefully, the Knicks don't come back this season. But hopefully, the basketball does, because that that's another thing when. They canceled the NBA. I don't think Knicks fans were particularly disappointed about not having to watch the Knicks. What did you think of that take?
1: I mean, R.J. Barrett had had some nice games. Um, I mean, I I guess I'm going back all the way to March 2nd. That game he had against the Rockets, when he just completely balled out and the Knicks beat Houston.
0: When they didn't let Spike Lee in.
1: Yeah, 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 and that completely took over the the (laughs) narrative for that night, but, like, that game was so much fun to watch. Yeah, that was a good game. Like, R.J. Barrett had 27 points, 5 assists, 5 boards, only 3 turnovers, and shot 10-18 from the field. Like, he was great that game. That was was just um, so encouraging, and I don't know. I hadn't really seen him do that in a while. Like, it felt like he'd been having a harder time finding his place under coach Miller than than some of the other guys cuz like Fizdale just wanted to use him as a point guard like just get the ball in RJ Barrett's hands which you know Fizdale had a ton of faults and putting Barrett in in positions to succeed he didn't really do that but he did empower Barrett to do stuff and um and so I don't know it was just that was probably like the highlight of the season for me I know you didn't ask me what that was but no that's fine <laughs> but like honestly like was I bummed to see the season end as a Knicks fan? I, I don't know how much more I, I needed to see, <laughs> you know, going into the offseason. I think we'd all made our, our decisions on guys. Like, I don't think Julius Randle was going to be able to turn the ship around in terms of my perception of him.
0: Yeah. I think the only thing we still wanted to see was, like you're saying, R.J. Barrett was injured for a little bit. He came back and he was getting, getting better, which was good, which is what you wanted to see from R.J. Barrett. Frank... Uh, put up a 20-10 and 10 game right, right two games before this whole thing happened. Um, Mitchell Robinson was being Mitchell Robinson. If the NBA doesn't come back, then Mitchell Robinson set the NBA single-season field goal r- percentage record, which is good for him. So I think we just wanted to see those three guys. Uh, maybe we would have we wanted to see Dotson play, but that didn't seem he was just sitting on the bench at, at this point. So – it's not like that would have changed. Maybe it would have if – I don't know. I don't know what it would have taken for it to change because it seems like it should have, should have already changed, so I don't know. But basically, we, we would have to watch our three young guys, our three young core guys continue to develop. But
1: And you are just blatantly leaving out Kevin Knox. Just, <laughs> Just completely leaving him out.
0: I'm sorry. Did I you mean I, to? I didn't mean to, but – For purposes of watching basketball, he isn't one of them. (laughs) Would you? I mean, if I'm watching the Knicks, I want to watch Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, and Frank. And sometimes I don't even want to watch Frank. That's that's my take. I want Kevin Knox to be good. He can dunk it sometimes. That's what he needs to do more. Uh, In recent weeks, he was trying to dunk on people, which was cool, unsuccessfully sometimes. Usually. I don't know that he's ever dunked on anyone, but I don't know.
1: I was just going to try and look up a stat because I know – I think I've brought it up before that, like, Kevin Knox should really be playing power forward more. That's what I want to see is, like, Kevin Knox stretching the floor. Say you've got Mitchell Robinson at the five, Knox at the four. Frank and Barrett are both, like, big for a backcourt. You know, so you can kind of get away with having a smaller guy in Kevin Knox at the power forward position. Um, not to get into lineups or anything, but, like, that's I- – if I were to say why I uh, was intrigued in watching more Kevin Knox on my screen, it would be because I want to see him play power forward. And, and he um, – I'm just looking at the numbers now. Last year he played – it was almost a 50-50 split. 43% Forty, of his time was at power forward. This year, 13%. Of his time was at power forward. I think I've mentioned those numbers on this podcast, yeah. like yeah, that's bad. Probably pretty recently, but he never plays the position that he should be playing, and so it's it's little, you know, it's hard to to wonder why he's struggling. You know, it's like I get it. He's not being in a put into a position to to succeed, and um, that's a, that's a shame because he's he is, <laughs> even though we forget about him sometimes, he's very much a part of our young core. And, uh, you know, this time last year, he was, like, guy number one or two. He was guy number two under after Mitchell Robinson. Like, he was their second guy because Frank was still struggling at that point. And, and Knox was, like, putting up some points. So um, this has been a frustrating second year for, for Knox, for sure.
0: Yeah, And I, I feel bad for not only for him but for Knicks fans, for me forgetting him, just because, you know, we have our lottery pick from last year who's very forgettable. He averaged 12.8 last year, and this year he's averaging exactly half of that,
1: 6.4. That's points per game, yeah. That is that's uh, just
0: sad. And last year he shot 37% from the field. And you say, hey, you can't – he's a rookie, he can't do much worse. But came out this year, shot 35.9%. Really? He's supposed to be a shooter, shot 32.7% from three. It's all—it's all just tough. Free th- free throw line sixty-five point three percent. I mean, there's a lot of confidence, but like we said, you got to put guys out there until and just trial by fire. But a lot of the times with Kevin Knox, it was just like we, we can't even.
1: You're it's too you're much fire. Just too much. Yeah, fire. <laughs> there's
0: a, this is too, this is going too poorly for us to allow this to continue. And that was
1: that was the case sometimes. That was the case
0: with Frank a lot last year. Even a decent amount this year, probably. But
1: Man, I got to say, f- just watching Frank, I was happy with how he progressed. I just thought he looked so much more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Like, running pick and roll with Mitch, he did a good job. Like, he he found Mitch on a lot of lobs. He had nice passes. Um, honestly, his improvement was one of the more encouraging things this season. And, again, the, the numbers don't show it, and they – they never seem to, and I just think that one of these days, just just watching him, like earlier in his career, you'd see flashes, but for the most part, he was borderline unplayable on the offensive end, certainly. But this year, I never felt that way—not N- never, but I rarely felt that way because he just seemed to like he knew what he was doing, and like it seemed like the game slowed down for him at times, and he he found some kind of rhythm, even though his shots wouldn't fall. He wasn't like a record scratch every time he get the ball right he he would do something within the flow of the offense that made sense and uh and that was a huge improvement for him
0: yeah and one thing that was a big change for him was just his willingness to shoot the basketball which was you know that that itself is a game changer even if it's not going in you you shoot the ball then defenses have to defend you at least somewhat um so in that second to last game when he's had the 20 and 10, he shot 60% from three. Um, I don't have the exact number of three pointers that were attempted in that game, but that means at least three out of five. I assume that's the exact number since he probably didn't shoot six out of 10. But his last four games, he had seven, seven, 20, and eight points, which is, you know, good for by Frank's standards. And that's what he's still developing, still 20, I think he, he is. So maybe he's 21 at this point. I think he's 20. I I don't know.
1: Who uh, knows? He's he's 21 now. He's 21. Born in
0: 1998. Goodness gracious. But, yeah, Frank definitely developed, definitely looked like he could be, you know, not Chris Paul, but a guy who can be a very steady point guard, Uh, maybe, like, end of career Jason Kidd with – much superior defense, you know.
1: Well yeah, so like I always I always made the George Hill comparison and Jake would kinda lose his mind about it. But I don't know. That that to me still feels like and the when I've made that comparison before, I think on this podcast, uh Kenny would would call me out and just saying that Frank's defensive ceiling is much higher than George Hill's. But I mean, George Hill's honestly he was a very good defender. He was he was one of the best defenders on that like number one ranked defense for the Pacers um in the 2000s like he's that was like early 2010s George Hill to me is like a a very good maybe best case scenario for how Frank turns out he's a great shooter um so yeah that that's still sort of what I'm holding out hope for
0: yeah and George Hill on the Jazz was gonna be a max player I believe they offered him the max and I think he said he said no maybe it wasn't the max but they offered him like three years 60 million or whatever and then he turned it down and then he went to free agency and the money all dried up and he had to sign with the
1: sacramento kings and they still gave him a lot of money though for one year right it was some
0: yeah they gave him like a very weird deal which was like two years 40 million dollars but the second year only had like three million dollars guaranteed so he was never actually going to get that but he was gonna get the three million dollars then he eventually just got traded to the cavaliers and got to go to the nba Finals. so it all all worked out for him other than losing you know 40 million dollars
1: but now he's on the bucks which and they're the best team in the league record wise and like he's a very much a contributor for that team so if frank can be a starting point guard on like the best team in the league like that that level of player granted george hill has Giannis next to him but (laughs) uh even so, like, that would be a, a best-case scenario for me and as far as Frank goes.
0: That's fair. Eric Blatchett's the starting point guard, though.
1: Okay, yeah, but he's getting – he's getting what he gets is his burn. He, is he, he gets like his s- time. Yeah, like six man minutes or something like that. That's a good point, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, other than watching our young core, I'm glad I don't have to watch the Knicks anymore. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, Am I sorry to say that? I think everybody agrees. Because even when, like, I believe last time we potted, you might have said, (laughs) uh, when you're watching the Knicks, you're just, like, looking at your phone, scrolling through, just looking at other stuff. It's just background noise at this point. But the Knicks had been more exciting in recent weeks. Uh, Before the podcast, you had mentioned to me that the Knicks had just won four of their last seven games. They were showing a lot of fight in the fourth quarter recently. Um, even leading to this last, very last game win against the the Hawks, which cost us two spots in uh, the lottery position. As I mentioned earlier, so we were ahead, or we were either ahead of and by ahead of. I mean, worse than the Hawks. We were worse than the Hawks and the Pistons, but then we beat the Hawks, so we switched spots with them. And we had – we that win put us one win above the Pistons as well. So it was a, a two-for-one last game of the season post-Rudy Gobert diagnosis win.
1: And that just cost us. And that's not great, but with the odds being kind of leveled out a little bit, it's not the end of the world either. Like, those odds aren't – like th- we're talking percentage points, right? It's not a huge deal. Granted, they can feasibly fall lower than they could have yeah. previously, which is always the concern as a Knicks fan, like thinking worst-case scenario. But it's at the end of the day, it's like percentage points we're talking about. So yeah. th- it's not like all hope is lost on the on the yeah. draft front.
0: And this, from what I know, isn't isn't the best draft. I don't know that there's going to be a big difference between four and. Six at this point. Anyway. But I also don't know. All I know is that Anthony Edwards is good at Georgia. But also, Markel Fultz posted stats at Washington. But maybe that's different. I, I have no idea. And so again, Markel we'll Fultz
1: is, like, kind of good now again, isn't he?
0: Uh, by Markel Foltz standard, I believe he's good. I think he's an NBA contributor uh, recently. So, that's a good bounce back for him.
1: Yeah, he's 21 years old. He's putting up 12 points per game, uh, three rebounds, five assists. He's shooting 47% from the field. Um, from free throw, he's shooting 72% from the free throw line. Wow, with that form, that's pretty good. Um, you know, I mean Those numbers are him? better than 21-year-old Frank.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the, the perfect guy for the 76ers these days but because it just didn't work out and they traded him i guess things just get that bad and then you know that he's definitely going to be you're selling low but you just have to get rid of him and i guess last year was the 76ers all in go for it didn't work man they, they think they're one buzzer beater away from winning the championship but Instead, that buzzer beater went in, and they lost in the second round instead.
1: That was a fun game. See, that's what we're missing this year with the playoffs. Like, we d- we got to have the playoffs. I don't care about next year's regular season. Like, get us some playoff moments. That Kawhi buzzer beater was – that was so much fun. That was the most fun yeah. I had watching basketball.
0: That's, yeah, that's an all-time moment pretty much, after especially after they go on and actually win the championship.
1: Yeah. So hopefully we get some of that this year.
0: Yep. I hope so, don't know. nobody knows anything um, oh, is there what
1: other Nick stuff we wanna we wanted to bring up how um there were some reports that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert's relationship was fractured um and maybe even irreparable so that led to a lot of speculation about what kind of like if Donovan Mitchell were to demand a trade which isn't unheard of. There are crazier things that have happened in the NBA. Um, What kind of package should the Knicks be willing to offer to get a player of Donovan Mitchell's uh, caliber? And then conversely, like, what if they decide to sell off Rudy Gobert, which uh, I guess maybe that would be more likely, right? Like, they would rather keep the younger or, you know, better Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, those are the the factors that would – Make it lean toward keeping him instead of Gobert.
1: I mean, Gobert has has one more year left, and then he'll be starting a a deal that will probably be very expensive, right? Um, And he'll be starting that deal at at age 29, so you'll be paying like a 33-, 34-year-old Gobert a ton of money, which you probably don't want to do considering how kind of – you know, he's huge and he doesn't move great anymore like he did when he was younger, so – um. You remember whenever he'd pl- play the Knicks co- like the last two years, he yeah. would just dunk every single <laughs> time down the court? Yeah. But I don't really feel like he has that kind of bounce anymore, that kind of athleticism, so I'd be wary of doing that. So for the sake of podcasting, the fun thing to talk about is what would you offer for Donovan Mitchell? There's like a lot of debate on Knicks Twitter. It's become like a sort of like a gauge of how smart you are.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you have to look – the first thing you look at is so Mitchell is going to be in the last year of his contract as well, and he's going to be a restricted free agent who's probably going to get the max. So, looking at that, the first baseline deal I look at is the Porzingis trade, but Mitchell is better, and he's not coming off an injury, and you get that actual last season fully healthy, assuming that he's going to be fully healthy next year. So it's got to be the return has to be greater than the Porzingis trade at the bare minimum. So, we look at that. What do we get? We got Dennis Smith Jr. and two first round picks. And we so got
1: and we got off what we considered to be very bad salary, yeah, and the Dallas true. Mavericks turned into like kind of decent salary. But
0: yeah, I mean, yes, but also Courtney Lee made twelve million dollars, who was also badish salary, and he just doesn't do it. He sits on the Mavericks bench and didn't play all year. But yes, you're right. Tim Hardaway Jr., but he also has another year left making that $17 million, which is going to be maybe that's when they sell him off. I don't know. I'm sure they don't want Tim Hardaway Jr. and his $17 million if they're trying to compete with Porzingis and Luca. I'm sure they want someone else who would be more worth $17 million. But I, I, that's just speculation. It might even be $18 million at this point because he goes up. So let's think of this.
1: But like Tim Hardaway, I'm just saying like Tim Hardaway is. This isn't that important for the sake of our conversation, but he's shooting forty percent yeah. on seven three pointers <laughs> per game. <laughs> no, he sh- I don't need. I
0: don't need to hear that.
1: He's shooting forty point seven percent on seven point two threes per game. Like he's actually been a, a very valuable player for What's them. What's his
0: points per game at sixteen? Damn. So like maybe that's a person that earned seventy million dollars not gets paid just literally earns it
1: yeah you know he doesn't get to the free throw line very often he takes two th- free throws a game like his field goal percentage on twos is pretty bad um actually uh, yeah he's shooting about four now it's 47.8 percent on twos it's okay um
0: i mean as long as your overall field goal percentage is above 40
1: yeah, no, he's he, it's good. He's like been efficient for them. He he must be getting better looks or something about the Knicks. I, I don't. know. We don't need to talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> anymore. I, I was just saying, like when he was traded, he, yeah, was, he a, was a he was a negative. He was a net negative yeah. asset, and uh, that was part of the deal.
0: Yeah, So that negative, he was probably. I mean that that's a very difficult trade to <laughs> to assess because, like we said. You're you're giving away all these net negatives along with your star player. So he's your star We're player
1: who is like you know coming off these injuries and he's like also trouble having trouble off the court too. I don't know if that factored into his value league around the league, but it might have. Um, yeah. But then you said something. That you said Donovan Mitchell is a better player. Do you? I I guess you. you, So you think he's just more valuable in general than Kristaps Porzingis than having like a seven foot three rim protector slash three point shooter. um. I
0: mean, I guess I I don't know that. I I I just know that he's been surrounded and more surrounded by better team and been in playoffs and he's been like the lead player on a playoff team already. So with Porzingis, you definitely didn't have that. But also the Knicks are the worst supporting cast like we just said our second highest paid player was a net negative our third highest paid player got cut before the season we're still paying him that's Joe Kim Noah so it's a tough to compare the supporting cast for those two guys
1: I mean so. Don- Donovan Mitchell he's 23 years old this season he was averaging 24.2 points per game four assists four rebounds uh, just 2.7 uh, uh, turnovers He's getting a line almost five times a game, shooting about eighty-six percent from the free throw line. He's taking almost seven threes a game, shooting thirty-six point four percent on those. That's impressive stuff. Like that's that's. Yeah, I mean that sounds really better
0: than Porzingis.
1: It does, and it's, I mean, yeah, I'm it's sure not just an anomaly either. Like last season when he was twenty-two, he was putting up twenty-four points per game with similar stats. Like pretty much everything was the same. His three-point percentage was the same. Like all these numbers are, are about the same um, year over year. So it's not just an anomaly either.
0: Yeah. So Porzingis, um I'm not going to give you – I'll give you his stats this year, but that that's less important because he's playing second fiddle, fiddle to Luca. 19.2 shooting 42% from the field and only 34.9% from three on seven attempts. But – Uh, in his last year with the Knicks before he was injured he averaged 22.7 averaging er, or 43.9 percent of the field and 39 and a half from three so assuming trajectory on that instead of on his current year stats just assuming he was going to be as an alpha rather than as the second guy you wonder if he could put up similar numbers to Donovan Mitchell but it's it's all just hypothetical. It's hard to do just because of the sporting cast and the trajectory is just tough to tough to do. I don't know. So who is better? I think Donovan Mitchell is is better than Porzingis. That's just two different people. It's yeah, like they're they're, they're so who's different. Um, who's better, Kobe or Shaq? Yeah, that's just.
1: I mean, Donovan Mitchell also is like a a ball dominant guy who could be your lead ball handler and like can be your crunch time guy who goes and gets you a bucket when you need one. Like poor Zingas can't do that. He can't really put the ball on the floor and, and like create on his own very well. He he can like take a contested jump shot from mid range and shoot over a lot of people, but Knicks fans know that's not a great shot. Like Donovan Mitchell can get himself to the free throw line. He can, um, he just does, I think a better job as a lead ball handler. Obviously it's not saying a lot, but, Uh, that's there's a lot of value to that and defensively like you'd say Porzingis is very valuable as a rim protector but Donovan Mitchell reputationally is a very good perimeter defender I don't I haven't like watched enough of his his tape to know that but he's not known as like a a liability on the perimeter and and so the fact that he can he's like big and strong he can defend some smaller wings too so there's a lot of value with that too so I'm with you I think Donovan Mitchell would uh, yield you more in a trade. I agree.
0: Yeah, and I know Mitchell has a big wingspan. That's that's the extent of my knowledge about his defense. So where does that bring us? What does it take to get Donovan Mitchell? So at the bare minimum, obviously, we're going to say those two Dallas picks, probably throw in a Knicks pick, maybe not this year's, but maybe this year's, probably this year's. So that's three picks right there throwing Kevin Knox, throwing I don't know person that makes ten million dollars. I don't know who that is. What is that is that it
1: I mean so <laughs> do you so you're saying RJ Barrett is untouchable?
0: Um am I saying that? Uh that's a good question. Is he I I want him to be, but the thing is when you want you want to trade for Donovan Mitchell, then you have to think about trading RJ Barrett because it's like the Jazz would be like Donovan Mitchell's untouchable, and we'd be like RJ Barrett's untouchable. And then, like, then we're well not going to touch each other. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell's way better than RJ Barrett. Let me say right now. Yeah, I don't know. That's a co- tough question. I guess you got to give up. You got to give up something to get something. Obviously, I think I keep R.J. Barrett just because he's younger. And it's the thing with the Knicks is, this, I just have no idea what the timeline is. You know, even if Don- Donovan Mitchell is like, what you say? He's twenty-three. Maybe that's too old for the Knicks timeline. That's what's. That's how pessimistic I am at these days.
1: This is a really tricky thing. Like, I, I obviously, I, I don't think that you just, like, trade away all your young talent and all your picks just to get Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he's that type of player. Um, but, you know, if you were to bring Donovan Mitchell over, it's like you would want him to be a part of a young core. And if you're trading away a young core, then it's like, what's, what was the point of that? At the same time, like, what do you hope that R.J. Barrett becomes – even uh, so, R.J. Barrett's best case scenario, is it kind of like how good Donovan Mitchell is now, or, or is that not, is that not right?
0: I think that that sounds closest to being right. I think he's bigger, so you hopefully he'll get. He'll be more able to. I don't know, bang with the LeBrons of the world. Maybe not Le- Lebron himself, but you know, that that three, four position
1: he's bigger yeah so you, you hope he could be like a little better defender too um like he's not as good of a shooter does he project to be probably not but i, I don't know man i, I think he's a bu- i think he's a much better passer than donovan mitchell is um <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this is it's a tricky question
0: <laughs> there's a lot of hard questions today
1: there really are maybe, maybe we're just rusty but i i, I don't know i don't I don't love the idea of giving up everything to get this guy because I don't think that the Knicks would just Donovan Mitchell and say you have Donovan Mitchell and Mitchell Robinson and then not a whole lot else. I don't know that I don't think that really gets you anywhere and I don't really know yeah. that puts you on the path to be in, uh, to being anything.
0: I mean, also the two Mavericks picks and the Knicks pick this year. That's a lot. That's a lot. So. And then I offered to throw in Kevin Knox because I'm a nice guy.
1: But do the Jazz do that?
0: Um, They probably
1: think about it, but, like, what's their timeline?
0: Well, I I mean, that's a good question, but I think – I mean, if you're trading Donovan Mitchell, then you're just resetting.
1: Uh, You know, the more we're talking about this – they're not going to trade Donovan <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. they're
0: trading Rudy Gobert if they have to trade anyone. Otherwise, they just say, you know, just deal with it. I don't know, man. You know? There there
1: was all this debate going on online. I really thought that this was something worth talking about, but all of a sudden, I... Th- th- I No, I don't think so anymore. We the can probably Knicks just go ahead and move on to the next. The Knicks
0: are the only team that would trade their young superstar. There was uh, one story that said that People in the Knicks front office believe that they would have gotten Kevin Durant if he didn't tear his Achilles. I'm just like
1: I'm just like not that interested in hypotheticals. <laughs> like, it doesn't tr- change the Knicks situation in any way. Like I, I'm more interested in like what could the Knicks do to get better. That's why I think like the Donovan Mitchell discussion is at least interesting in terms of how much we value our players and our our future assets. Um, yeah, I'm done talking about Kevin Durant to the Knicks. I've I lost interest in that a while ago.
0: Yeah, as you should have. We didn't come to the Knicks. So what else we got? So uh, another thing we got: Leon Rose report that Leon Rose re- re- reportedly entertained trading Julius Randle. Which um, I don't know how much news that was. So much as just a confirmation that Leon Rose has watched the Knicks play basketball.
1: Leon Rose has functioning eyeballs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, what would what would a Julius Randle trade look like? I think it would just look like us trading Julius Randle who has one guaranteed year and then like I don't know, 3 to 5 million guaranteed in the in the year after that. Four, we would trade him for another person, another team's Julius Randle. Pretty much what the trade would be.
1: Like another kind of like guy who puts up some numbers and is not really conducive to, like, winning basketball or or he's kind of a disappointment overall. Pretty much.
0: Just like a guy that makes $18 million that plays, but he's not, like you said, he's just not it for the team.
1: But, like, I mean, just Randall statistically, I know we looked at his his numbers last year when he was a Pelican and we were, like, pretty impressed and sort of talked ourselves into him. But – Even this year, he's putting up 19.5 points per game, about 10 rebounds, 3 assists, shooting 46% from the field, really poorly from 3, admittedly. But, like, if you just look at these numbers – Unfortunately we also had the displeasure of watching him play a <laughs> lot of basketball. So it's it's hard to separate him from his numbers, but like are there teams out there who, who just look at these numbers and they look at the Knicks situation and they're like, Well, Tim Hardaway Junior was trash last year and now he's a productive player on a winning team. Could we do that to Julius Randle? Can we save him from that toxic environment, put him into our system and we can actually use him as a valued as like a valued member? Um when he's away from the Knicks. I think that's like not a crazy thing to think that another team may uh entertain that idea.
0: Yeah, that makes sense just because, you know the Knicks is just where good players go to get bad, I guess. Maybe GMs believe that.
1: Um Yeah, there's like a Knicks tax on their on their numbers and on, and on their play. They're like, Yeah, he's doing that on the Knicks. think about what he could do Mm -hmm. for us you know
0: yeah it's like a a handicap yeah exactly so they're saying he could be a 15 and 8 guy off the bench for us and that's the type of guy that you know uh, but another big thing is that I, i don't i don't know what team has that i haven't done enough research to know what team has that bad contract out there that is expiring makes that much money and then would want Julius Randle. Because one thing about good teams is that they don't have a lot of bad money. So we'd be looking to trade with another team that's just trying to get that 8 seed or another. And then at this point, now that tanking's a thing, people would make you give up something to get rid of Julius Randle if, if you wanted to give him to like the Hawks or something. So. I, I just don't know anymore what's yeah, going
1: on. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate, like, punctuating all of our conversations <laughs> like this, but it's not going to happen. Julius is going to stay on the Knicks. No one's going to no one, – you're right. No one wants him. Like, it, it's mostly because he's a ground-bound power forward who who doesn't really play a lot of defense. Like, even when he's trying, I don't think he's very capable on the defensive end. He can't protect the rim. And he's a ball hog. Like, there were those report. Mark Berman reported how – a lot of Knicks players were displeased with Julius Randle's ball hoggery, and, yeah, that, that stands to reason. That makes sense. Um, I don't know. He's, he's a high-usage guy who turns the ball over a ton. In a different role, would he turn it over less? I don't know. I, I get probably. I hope so. But he's just not a modern NBA player. He's, like, the worst three-point shooter in the league, I think. he's He's jacking up. 3.6 attempts per game, shooting 27.7% from behind the arc. He's not what you want, and, w- hmm. and winning teams aren't going to look at that and be like, yeah, we want him on this roster. I was thinking about the San Antonio Spurs, how they've kind of been like a backwards organization recently, looking for those guys who analytics have, have shunned, like your DeMar DeRozan, the Marcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay. Um, I feel like Julius Randle's kind of in that mold of player, and that maybe. I don't know. Maybe they w- <laughs> they'd they want to take a shot.
0: I've done a very, very quick, just looking up contracts. First match I got, matching salary-ish-wise and expiring, is Gorgie Jang on the Memphis Grizzlies. What do you think about that? Just Julius Randle for Gorgy Jang. Straight up. Change of scenery. You can have Julius Randle. Just give us Gorgie Jang... That's pretty much, at that point, you're just trading. It's just a salary not, dump. Straight up salary just to, dump. Just to not have Julius Randle on the team. But maybe that's worth it.
1: Yeah. Um, God, It's kind of depressing, that that conversation. But I don't hate that. Uh, just, I mean, because Julius Randle is
0: to- definitely better than Gorgie Jang. But he's also Julius Randle. So... Like, I'm, like I like said, it's just you're just trading to not have Julius Randle anymore.
1: I mean, would does he play kind of the same position as as JJJ over there in Memphis? Um, Probably. I mean. Kind of that four. I, five. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know
0: enough about the Grizzlies to be honest. I know JJJ jacks up a good amount of threes. So. And e- even if. They do that. The The Grizzlies don't have to play Julius Randle. They can just have him on their bench instead of Jang.
1: Man, it's hard, though. Like <laughs> Julius Randle is kind of the Knicks' best player. Well, he's averaging 20 and 10 pretty much, like just a, a tick under those numbers. It's hard to just trade that because he's the focal point of the offense for Gorgie Jang. <laughs> like, we, we <laughs> the, you do, uh, would you do it? I would do it. I think I would just because I watched him play this season and it was it was brutal. I I lost interest very early on in watching Julius Randle play basketball. I think that's that's his my style.
0: That'll be my off-season prediction for everybody. Julius Randle getting traded for Gorgie Jang.
1: But I I think he will be returning.
0: All right, we'll see who wins. I I remember I, I I think I was the first person in the world to say Mo Harkless made sense salary-wise because I said it at, like, the very, very, very early before because, like, I I like to go through and actually look at players' contracts and see what matches up, and that made sense, and it happened. And
1: then it happened, yeah.
0: So eventually, if the NBA doesn't come back, we traded uh, Marcus Morris for Moe Harkless and a first-round pick. Which is a great deal. That might go down as one of the best deals in Knicks history if the NBA doesn't return. Because will anybody play like ten games? And we got a first-round pick. That's right. Jackpot.
1: Man, sure. that would be such a bad, <laughs> such a bummer <laughs> of a deal for the Clippers. Uh. I don't know. What's should right? we
0: keep going or should we just call this? We're fifty-one minutes in. I think there's one more thing we wanted to talk about. Is uh. Charles Oakley had some choice words this today, talking about um, Patrick Ewing saying that he he didn't carry them in the playoffs, or they could have been more because whenever there was adversity, he always backed down. Which is tough. It's, you know, this is also twenty twenty years ago. <laughs> this is a very long time ago. These definitely didn't need to be said. Um don't know why he said it. I think he just hates everything to do with the Knicks at this point because of James Dolan. So if you're going to light something on fire, you might as well light it on fire, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it is a bummer, though, because I feel like Charles Oakley was very much a fan favorite at one time just because of his, like, rugged, you know, those, like, rough-and-tumble Knicks teams of the 90s with Anthony Mason. Um, and he's just sort of tarnished that. Granted, some people will say, like, James Dolan started it sort of thing, but you don't go taking shots at Patrick Ewing. Like, he's a legend. Knicks fans will always side with Patrick Ewing in this because yeah. he, like, took the Knicks places, to places that they haven't been. I mean, I guess in 99, Ewing was on the sideline. But even still, like, he took the Knicks to a consistent place that they haven't been in a long time so, or, or since. So... Um, I don't know. You and I, I think, were a little young for those early, like, 90s Knicks teams. So, we don't really have a, a very strong relationship to those. Like, I don't really remember watching Charles Oakley play with Patrick Ewing. But, so, so I, I'm comfortable just saying, screw him. I don't care. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what like Charles Oakley has to say. I have no relationship to no. him at all. Like, forget him. I don't care. That's fair. He's yeah, my,
0: bro- can't, my brother Rob is older. He's eight years older. So, he's he's a big Oakley guy. So, you know, his memories become my memories at that point. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that, even if I don't. You convince yourself that you remember something. So, like, but like you said, you're always on Patrick Ewing's side. Because <laughs> look at us now. Patrick Ewing was, you know, the greatest Nick in my lifetime, maybe in anyone's lifetime. I know he didn't win the championship, but he may be the greatest Nick ever. So. Come on.
1: There's a case for it. Yeah. So (laughs) come on, Charles work with us. Yeah. I I think that that covers it though. I know we just wanted to like touch on some, some news, some topics, some rumors. Um, hopefully we can get some more guys on and do, I guess when there's more information out there about how the season's going to proceed, whether or not it will, like we can do, put, put a bow on 2019 20 and like actually do like a year in review sort of thing. And, and at some point, talk about the draft and who the Knicks should be eyeing, what positions they should be looking at. Um, but yeah, that's all to come. I, I don't yeah. know. We, we don't have like a strict timeline. Like no one does. No, no one. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have. A, no one has a set schedule in life, let alone talking Knicks. But I think this is good to to sort of touch it's base and, and get some of the stuff back. out there. Yeah.
0: I was gonna say we could do our uh, favorite memories, and it'll just be a five-minute pod favorite memories of the 2019 season.
1: And I already just. talked about RJ Barrett against <laughs> the Rockets, so I
0: and Then I think everyone say, yeah, that sounds right. And that sounds right, just, yeah. Thanks for coming by. Those Leave Mavericks w- those review. Mavericks wins were really <laughs> fun though. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. Those were the days. All right. I think I think we had fun here. Uh thanks for listening. Leave a five-star review if you'd like. We would like that. Um uh, we'll try to be back soon enough, but in the meantime, go next.